Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. And Willa Walsh, and you're listening to... Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during this almost ending pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. And so today we bring you two stories from the Welcome Project's archive. We're going to go ahead and play Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin, and Moral, Moral Barriers Between Us. So first up, this story uh, talks about, um, the speaker talks about his opinion on being an LGBTQ plus ally and his views against or with homosexuality. You can decide that one. This is love the sinner, hate the sin. To be seen as an ally to people without actually holding the same values or the same beliefs that they do like I said, it's, it's a matter of being an ally with people. is a matter of walking with people and sharing the, path, the journey of life with people. And that's tr- that's kind of how I try to approach the, um, the homosexual community on campus and the non-sexual and the asexual and the pansexual. Officially, I maintain that homosexuality is sinful behavior and I don't support homosexual ordination. But... I can still be seen as an ally. Some people have even been, you know, come out to in my time here, and it's never happened to me before. Um, There's the old saying to love the sinner, uh, hate the sin, but it's just such a hard thing to balance and, like I said, tightrope walk. It's a hard hard thing to do, and I'm not sure how I have been able to get into that kind of position. Um... I'm happy that I am. Like I said, I like to be seen as a, an ally opposed to an enemy. Um, that's just good for good for everybody involved. Our main call as Christians not to be theologic, the, you know, makers of theology and makers of you know the truth. We have an idea. We're never, we can never really be sure. But our main our main call as Christians is to be facilitators of God's love. I always go back to what the Apostle Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, and that's how I try to live my life. You know, I like I said, try to walk with people and be supportive in wherever they are on their faith walk. Everybody has sinful problems, sinful issues, problems that they, they're dealing with, and homosexuality. If you believe it's a sin, it's no, it's no greater, it's no... I think a lot of people who have negative views on homosexuality, a lot of the problem that occurs with having that is you start to see people who are homosexual not as individuals, not as human beings. And then you also start to see yourself as more holy or more righteous or more deserving of heaven than they are, and that's not true either. (laughs) Uh, You know, because I could take strong stances and argue my point very well to a group of non-specific you know homosexuals or sinners or whatever getting beyond that getting to know people on an individual basis is so important so important to um, 
being seen as quote an ally or to be in the life of in, in the faith life you see Christ in people and you see you see that they're just as deserving of your love and God's love as anybody else and that kind of practice I think speaks a lot louder than say my official position on homosexuality in the church and I, I, I wager that a lot of people probably don't know that I'm like theologically against homosexuality because of the way I behave. It's part of love as an action. Welcome back to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. I'm Allison Schutte, and I'm here with Willow Walsh, and you're um, on 103.1 FM, Valparaiso's Community Radio. It's June. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> um, this might seem like uh, an odd story to begin with for Pride, um, but I think it's a very complex story that actually captures the reality of a lot of folks um, who either, well, who identify as straight and then relate to people in communities um, with folks from the queer queer community. And this is one of the earliest stories that we collected in the Welcome Project. And um, for those of you who don't know what the Welcome Project is, you know, we started as a story collection on Valparaiso University's campus. And a lot of our questions had to do with like times that you felt like you belonged or times you felt like you didn't belong, didn't belong. And that could involve like um, when you made people feel like they belonged or didn't belong. So this story came out of, of that kind of set of questions. And our typical banter method here at Listen Up Welcome Project Radio is to play one of these stories and then ask each other questions to try to make sure that we hear what we think this storyteller finds important and then ask questions about how it lands with us and how we interpret that and what its implications might be for us and potentially even for you listeners out there. Um, so Willow, do you want to, do you have a first question or? Um, yeah, well, I guess my first question, the one that was like most compelling to me was how he's defining allyship. Yeah. So what do I think he's yeah. defining mm -hmm. it as? Um, so walking alongside them sharing their journey uh which i think is interesting because i've been a part of a number of different conversations where people ask you know like what does it mean to be an ally mm -hmm. and there's a lot you know there's a range of answers you can have for that and usually the um facilitator is encouraging us to remember that being an ally is a journey so that's a constant process of learning how to show up for each other mm -hmm. um i think Though this is jumping to the end of his story, like, for me, what I hear him saying is that an ally, I don't think he would generalize this necessarily, but for himself, is separating in himself his belief system from his, he calls it a practice, of like showing up for the individual who is before you and caring for them which i think is i mean that's an interesting definition of ally to work with i i'd like to make sure that we also talk about 
like maybe its shortcomings or it's the way that it impacts both the person, the ally, the storyteller here, and then the person on the receiving end who may or may not know what this person's beliefs are because he's separated himself from those in order to show up for the person before him. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you do you hear him saying something else about what an ally yeah, is? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of picked up on the same thing where he's talking about walking with people and sharing the journey of life. But I, <laughs> for me, it's just, there's just this like, this back and forth, this sort of like juxtaposition that I keep getting through out of it. That's like, yes, I want to be an ally. I want to show up for people. But at the same time, it's like this sort of, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm being sensitive, but it's like this sort of like feeling like targeted by like part of what he's saying. I mean, I think a lot of that for me comes with, I've heard this sort of thing directed at me yeah. before. It's just like, well, yeah, you're fine. You know, I just, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but yeah. so it's like, for me, the sentiment is always kind of triggering, but I don't yeah, know. It probably just... could have put a trigger warning on this story <laughs> for those of us in the queer community who've heard love the sinner, hate the sin. I don't know how many times. Um, that can be just in itself. It can land in a way that um, you already feel diminished as a person mm-hmm. because the to say sin is to imply lifestyle choice as opposed to identity, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is how those of us in the LGBTQ community understand what it means to be gay. Um, yeah, I, I, the other thing that surprises me about this story is that he didn't expect this to happen, you know, like, Mm -hmm. which is also, I I don't know if it's less able to happen today when like, there's just so much more cognizance in our culture of the LGBTQ community, which doesn't say anything yet about justice or injustice or affirmation or marginalization. But to, um, like when I hear some students talk about being an ally or not, it's like something they intentionally thought about first or like felt like they should have a role. They want to make sure they're ready to show up for friends if they are to come out. And for this storyteller from a conservative religious background, in whatever arena he's you know, talking about here on campus, which I I think for him has to do with uh, chapel life um, and the community of students that really participated in that. Like he just didn't think this was gonna be asked of him. Mm -hmm. So there's also something in the fact that he showed up for that even though it's not, I, I mean, maybe this is like what you hear him going back and forth on. There's a kind of like, I didn't want this mm-hmm. feeling to it. And then at the same time, he swings back to the other side of like, but the person who's in front of me is somebody I'm in relationship with. And so I absolutely want to show up for them. In fact, my theology actually requires that of me in a joyous way, mm-hmm. as opposed to like an onerous, you know, burden kind of way. So I think it's like you can hear that he's suspended between a couple of different I don't know if it's like experiences or if it's like parts of himself or um yeah and and as someone who myself grew up in a like religiously conservative family I think I probably can read him more generously (laughs) 
than some people can. I don't know, because I just, I I remember sort of my own awakening, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I mean, I think there's something to be said about, like, I, I love that he mentions, like, I've even been come out to, and that's never happened to me before. And maybe you're right, like, maybe now it's a little bit more polarizing, and you'd be a little more careful about who you talk to. But I'm thinking, like, there are, like, some red flags for me mm. of people that I won't come out to. And again, coming out, I don't know if people know this very much, but it's just like, it's not like a one-time thing. It's something that you're constantly doing like to landlords and to medical people. But it's just like, there's some red flags for me. Like, I don't know, like white cisgendered men. It's like, that's always, that's a toss up, you know? It's like, this could go either way. I don't know. And so there's, you know, there's like little things about how I perceive people on the outside that make me think, okay, I'm not sure if I trust you like with, my identity and so I think it's really interesting that like somebody saw him and was like I trust you with my identity and like that's pretty cool like I think that's something to think about like despite you know like his religious views against homosexuality like somebody still felt comfortable enough with him to yeah talk about their sexuality so I mean I think that's I in terms of like my understanding of allyship I feel like there, it's like maybe more linear like and like on one far right of the edge you know you have like I guess I would put it this here this sort of like love the sin or hate the sin the sort of like I don't like what you're doing but I can still like you as a person and I think there's like there's merit in that because obviously you know the person who came out to them had felt like they had an audience person felt like they had a support system in this ally that they could do that but I don't know for me this really falls short of allyship (laughs) and I the, the question that I felt myself thinking about through this is like is it helpful to like the LGBTQ plus community to like more specifically define what allyship means and sort of challenge people who hold this view, which I would challenge and say this person maybe is not an ally. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know enough, but there are enough red flags here where I'm like, this doesn't feel like an ally to me. That should we discourage people who have this view from identifying as an ally like does that hurt us I don't know like is it better to have more people on the boat or like have like the really active allies on the boat with us yeah I mean I want to say that we maybe need to remember that the LGBTQ community has its own diversity because you and I have a a progressive political framework from which we operate Mm, and like our self understanding of ourselves as queer folk I guess I should be only talking for myself Willow you can correct (laughs) me if I'm projecting this onto you but like there's no uh what's the word there's like there's nothing in me that doesn't claim my queerness Mm, mm -hmm. Um, that maybe would have been different for me at different points in my life um but it certainly is true now, like out and proud kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like that doesn't mean that there aren't times when I would not want to come out in a situation where I don't know what the ramifications might yeah. be. Like you were talking about with like renting a place or housing or something like that. Um, but in terms of like my relationships or how I go about being in the world, um, and I probably have a certain kind of privilege because I present as straight and fairly 
femme. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe my fashion started <laughs> to change a little bit, but um, so I, I might not get a kind of assessment that other folks in the queer community who also identify as progressive politically and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, I do think there are a lot because you know queer folk are like everywhere. <laughs> it's not like they only grow up in like progressive mm-hmm. communities. So when I'm thinking about this chapel community on campus, you know, there are going to be people coming out to themselves Mm -hmm. from this theological position. And there can be a lot of internalized homophobia that comes with that. And, And I think there would probably be people in that community who even as they came out and accepted themselves as queer, well, I don't know how they would use, what language they mm-hmm. would use, but they might still not want to attend an alliance meeting, for example, which is the student organization group on campus for LGBTQ folk and their allies. So I think there are some religious folk in the, in the LGBTQ community that this ally, like that might be what they... I don't know if it's what they need or it I don't want to say it's enough but it's like important role yeah. whereas I think for you and I listening to this we're like mm. <laughs> not so sure you can be an ally if you don't you know want to advocate on behalf of but mm-hmm. maybe that's a good question for you like how would you extend ally in a way that this storyteller doesn't you know for you the kind of ally you want he doesn't fit that bill well, okay, I really love what you said about, like, having this ally in the specific context of, like, you know, if you are, like, going to the chapel at VU every Sunday and you're kind of coming out to yourself, I, I do think that makes so much more sense to me. Like, there must be comfort in people who have the same experience, who are also in the chapel with you, who also grew up in a religious background and the same sort of household, maybe, who, like, can extend some, like, you know, I, we can still feel this way about God and Christianity, but, like, can still sit with them and be with them as an ally. So I think there is a lot of valuable space there. I didn't think about it that way. I mean, for me, yeah, I definitely grew up in, like, a more progressive context and I feel like I fill myself with like progressive people and so my my understanding of like like what I would want an ally to be is to like fiercely show up to not be a sort of like passive ally but I don't know now I'm like double thinking everything I'm like there's so much merit to having these like passive allies in these certain contexts that can be really helpful but I don't know, for me, what I really like is, like, you know, it's so easy to, like, say you're an ally, but then not know when, like, trans and queer news mm-hmm. is happening. And, like, do you, you know, when you look on your Facebook or Twitter feed, like, do you have, like, pink news or, you know, gay and transgender news coming through your feed that you can actually, like, be a part of the community and know what's happening? Do you, like, follow gay and transgender people on your timelines? Like, can you, are you seeking out stories from people? So it's just, like, it's, it's, there's more intentionality that I kind of want behind it. Like, not just going to, like, gay pride parade, which is, like, super fun, yeah, but, like, also to be an advocate in spaces where LGBTQ plus people aren't. So, like, PTA meetings, Kiwanis Club meetings, church meetings, you know? It's, like, if those spaces are absent of queer and trans people, I would hope that as an ally, you would be the advocate. You would say, hey, I don't like what you said there, or hey, I don't quite agree with how we're doing things here. You know, that's what allyship is to me. It's like moving the needle in some way and not just being supportive. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it is hard for me um, to not want the definition of ally to include getting rid of this phrase "love the <laughs> sinner, hate the sin." I mean, it's just uh, like you know, I the line that he uses later, I hear all the time too. Um, homosexuality, if you believe it's a sin, is no greater than any other sin. I'm like, how does that? really help you know because Mm -hmm. we don't think of people who are doing other sins let's say having an extramarital affair or stealing money from their workplace uh like okay maybe they don't fall out of the arena of god's love or something like that but like we would ask them to stop doing those things like (laughs) we see them as harming the community and breaking trust and i think that people who use this phrase don't understand like so you're saying that my person because again I for me it's identity it's not lifestyle choice or Mm -hmm. behavior or action is harming the community and breaking trust in the community like in the way that these other sins would do so I I mean that is where I would want to push back um with someone like this who's going to say yes I'm an ally because other people come out to me and I can show up for them Um, at some point that theological view is what is making it hard like in places like Kiwanis or in places like City Hall like a city council meeting or um, trying to get a human rights ordinance passed like that belief system is supporting the status quo and the norm, the heterosexual norms that are like making LGBTQ people marginalized and oppressed. So it, I can't, I do have a hard time getting away from that, but I guess I just do try to again, remember that we're all like, we're coming out of different contexts. We've mm-hmm. had different life experiences that shaped our theological views, our political views and So we do have to keep in conversation with each other and people that are different than us. And um, I mean, this is a big part of the Welcome Project, too, that we don't want to have just one kind of experience included. We want to see these places where, like when I hear this story, it makes me want to push back. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of stories we have that make me call me out in a supportive way um, because I maybe recognize like, oh, I'm one of those people who did that thing that's being called out by that storyteller. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's we, we do have to accept the reality of being in a society right now that is still in transition or in transformation, maybe I would say towards kind of a queer justice. <laughs> I, my question is, like, how far removed should this, like, statement that, like, love the sinner, hate the sin should be from, I don't know, LGBTQ people? Because, like, one of my things is, like, like, I really, like, it's, for me, it's totally fine in this sense because he brought it up naturally and this is an interview for him asking him about his opinions. But typically when I hear this, it's, like, it's always unsolicited for me. Mm. It's not like, I don't know, it's like if somebody finds out I'm gay, it's just like they want to like say things like that to me. I, I don't know. Or 
It's just like, or like some like blonde white Christian lady at like the restaurant who wants to like say like, Jesus told me to come over and tell you, <laughs> yada, yada. You know, it's just, it's always like, for me, this sentiment is so triggering why it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I can understand where it can be helpful in terms of this ally in this context. But for me, it's so troublesome because it's just so ingrained as like, I don't know. It just feels so hateful when people say it to me. Yeah. So I wonder like, is it, is it fair to be like, this is a fair opinion to have, but just because you find out somebody is gay doesn't mean you need to say this statement at them. I don't know. That's 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 the that's the part that I, I find myself like running into so often. It's like, sure, have your opinion, have all of your opinions. It's like I don't know why I now need to be the receiver of your opinion. I don't know. I, I'm thinking about the time where we had the block party, and do you remember this? No. And, <laughs> We had the block party over by BU, and this guy was like sitting on his like doorstep or something, and he was he was like shouting over to you, and you were like, "Hey, we're grilling. We've got like food and stuff." And he's like, "Oh, is your husband grilling it?" And you were like, "No, my partner's grilling it." And you're like, and he's like, "You're not gay, are you?" Gosh, I totally don't remember that. Like, I can kind of see him now that you're saying that. Do you remember what I what I answered? I don't remember what I, you hope I said. But yes, I am, <laughs> sir. But it's like it's that sort of like that like weird like little like small bits of like pushback yeah. that you get. That's like so frequent. I don't know. Well, and it is. I think the thing that that bothers me about it is that they assume. Oh God, how do you say it? Like, um, they assume a social support for their sentiment such that they can say it, hmm. right? Like, like you don't say to somebody, like, well, you're not gay, are you? Unless you expect the answer to be, of course I'm not gay, and of course being gay is a problem. So, like, the same thing with love the sinner, hate the sin. You don't offer it unsolicited unless you expect to be reinforcing a norm. And I think it's the reinforcing the norm part that just really pisses me off, hmm. as opposed to you're... I would say, stuck in a theology <laughs> that can't see the full humanity of some people. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's that, that um, entitlement to the norm that, that really gets at me. And I don't see how that can be useful to the LGBTQ community at all. Mm -hmm. Like, if this person as an ally could be important to some LGBTQ Christians, I don't know if they have to be Christian, but religious people who are coming to understand their own sexuality and out of a, a theology that's very di difficult and challenging for them. Um, like that can be true without him saying to that person, well, I don't love your sin, but I love you. I mean, he does say at the end, maybe this is why I'm willing to give him goodwill, mm -hmm. that I'll wager a lot of people don't know that I'm theologically against homosexuality because of the way I behave, which means to me he's not one of those people that when you come out to him says, well, I can't, you know, condone your lifestyle, but I always love you because, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. So yeah. it doesn't seem like something he's putting between him and the other person. Um he talks about uh, like 
our call as Christians is to be facilitators of God's love, not to be makers of theology or makers of the truth. So I appreciate that about him because he's putting the connection, the relationship, the care, the love, like front and center. So if you're somebody that comes out to him and you never know that he also theologically holds this other view, like that, like I, there's some part of me that still feels like, is that harmful to the person that came out? Or is it like not because they were held and seen? Mm-hmm. I Like for him, I could be wrong about this, but for him it sounds like love the sinner, hate the sin is something he needs for himself hmm. to make this separation between belief and practice possible. But like when somebody comes up to you at a restaurant and says, Jesus came over here and told me to tell you that I can't love your sin, but I love you. That's not that's not a person using that for themselves. They're again using it as like a weapon, mm-hmm. um, a moral, a moral weapon. <laughs> uh, but I like that distinction. Like use it for yourself to make that distinction, but like don't put that out there. I don't know. I, I, like I had the same thing happen at the laundromat where the dude like felt. Like, he needed to come over and, like, tell me. But it was, like, it, it wasn't just, like, he needed to tell me, but it was just, like, he felt that, like, the more he tells gay people, it's just, like, you know, you're going to come around to God at some point. God's always there whenever you want to come. So it's just, like, this sort of, like, idea that it's just, like, if you hear it enough times, you'll you'll change your mind. I don't know. But so I think maybe there's that distinction, yeah. too. Just, like, you know what? If you want it for yourself, that's awesome. But I've heard it 32,000 times. Right. So I don't need to hear it 34,000 times. <laughs> This is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, your community radio station. And we're streaming online as well. Uh, You're here with Allison Schutte and Willa Walsh. And today on Listen Up, because it's Pride Month, we're discussing stories from the Welcome Project archive that relate to people's experience with um, the LGBTQ experience. So um, our first story that we just finished discussing was from a somebody who identifies, although he doesn't name himself, but I will say that he probably identified as straight. <laughs> um, and now we're going to hear from a, a story from someone who identifies as within the community. Did you want to say anything about this story? Yeah, no, just a it? bit bif- different take, but this one is, yeah, from within the LGBTQ plus community. In some ways, I do feel like it's a little hard to be bisexual here on campus. I mean, I've heard this phrase time and time again. People who are bisexual just can't make up their minds on who they want to be with. I've heard that more times than I can count. I can't tell you how angry it makes me each and every time I hear it. It sticks with me. It's just so frustrating that people just can't get through their minds. This is just how I feel. I'm attracted to both men and women and it's okay because that's just how I am. It would be like if the situation was completely flipped and heterosexuality was uh, not condoned and considered a sin. Well, you like people of the opposite sex. That's so wrong. I wish that people would take that step back and think about how it would make them feel. I have had conversations with a friend of mine and he himself is homosexual so we sat down one night it was a very 
comfortable in a long-needed conversation on how it feels to be bisexual. And I struggled with him trying to explain it to him as well. He didn't judge me for it or anything. He just, he couldn't quite get a grasp on how I could like both. And he, to an extent, understood how I felt. But at the same time, it wasn't how he felt. So it was very hard for him to grasp how I could feel that way. It's always very difficult whenever you start talking about how things make you feel and if someone doesn't feel the way you do to empathize with them. When I came to school, I felt more comfortable in being who I was right from the get-go because I had that outlook on college that college is different and more open-minded than my high school would ever be. Therefore, it's okay to be myself here because other people are being themselves too. For a moment, forgot that I was coming to a conservative Lutheran institution, therefore. There were a good majority of my friends who were more conservative. I wasn't comfortable coming out to them as bisexual because their religious belief meant a lot to them, and I just didn't want to create waves with us. I feel very strongly people shouldn't judge others of different sexual orientation purely on religion. I think it's mostly because I'm not very religious myself, and I don't understand why it's wrong. But I support them in their beliefs, and that's what they believe in, so I just didn't want to create tension. I probably wouldn't be so uncomfortable coming out to them now. As I found a new uh, friend group and people who I was more comfortable expressing that part of myself with them, uh, I've got more courage in just coming out and being like, yeah, I'm bisexual and there's nothing wrong with it. I do believe we wouldn't be as close of friends as whenever we first started hanging out together. There would always be that moral barrier between us. They think what I'm doing is wrong and I'm firm in the belief that what I'm doing is perfectly acceptable. You're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte, and Willow Walsh. And today, because of Pride Month, we are playing stories from the Welcome Project archive that relate to being LGBTQ or an ally to the community. So this is our second story. Where do you want to start with this one? Um, I think maybe, like, what kinds of things is she hearing, like, as a bisexual on campus? Yeah, I mean, the thing that stood out to me the most was this notion that, um, of choice, which I, I think is, like, I don't know why exactly it would be so hard for people to accept that attraction could be to either. And she doesn't even actually allow for, like, non-binary. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, we can kind of break that down all around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I, I think that at least what she's hearing is there's still something about lifestyle choice that's kind of behind all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if you're attracted to men, you're attracted to women, like, just choose one. They Like, there's this need to pin people down. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like to me. Did you hear anything else in her experiences? Yeah, I mean, I just, like, I empathize with 
bisexual folk who I feel like get it from both sides. Like you get it from like the people, you know, who are like maybe they'll love the hinner love the sin or hate the sin people who are like, yeah, I don't agree with you. And so you get that kind of like flack for being gay. And then you get it from the gay community right. too, which is just so <laughs> awful and like just kind of shocking when you see it too. Cause it's just like, it, like, I don't know. I feel like I, I operate in this sort of like progressive bubble where it's just like, you know, do what you want, man. But there are people who feel so like, well, if you're going to be straight, be straight. And if you're going to be gay, be gay. And you just have to like go on this binary path. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so, I mean, I feel like bisexual folks get it so tough <laughs> because you're always just kind of like having to defend yourself in this space. And again, you're right. She's like, it's like this, she's kind of speaking back to, you know, this voice that, you know, says to her, will you like people of the opposite sex? That's so wrong. And like this kind of like idea that she's getting negativity for it. But yeah, it's just, and she's just, you know, trying to describe it to, like, she has this group of, like, conservative religious friends, but then she also has a gay friend that she's trying to, like, describe this to, and, like, nobody totally fully grasps how she feels, and so yeah. she's, like, stuck. I feel that part of the story is so helpful, insightful for understanding how challenging it can be to identify as bi, because, you know, you expect straight folk to, you know, like, for, any, for a reason that they would have... Uh, judgment of anybody in the lgbtq community they would also judge by people mm-hmm. um but you don't like i think especially straight people don't expect it to happen within the community and so to see that there's someone that in this case is so she does say that he okay she does give the pronoun um that he and his own attraction to men is so clear Mm -hmm. that he also can't quite fathom how attraction could include (laughs) more people um and i love that because i think that's just really true that um when she's talking about that it's not the way he feels so it's very hard for him to grasp and i think over and over again in the welcome project we experience that right where Mm -hmm somebody else's experience if it's not shared by you you're immediately dismissive of it and then you have to work really hard to try to make space for it and then maybe you get to the place where like you believe the person because it's their experience but when you don't share it or if you haven't seen it or witnessed it yourself then um it's like the way our brains are wired i guess Mm -hmm. like it's just really really hard to like internalize Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so yeah, I think given the fact that we live have lived in a very binary society, we are often taught poles, black, white, male, female. I mean, I think for Latinx and, and APEC people, Asian American Pacific Islander people, because they're not part of the black, white binary, mm-hmm. it's not that they haven't had attention paid to their own struggles, but... I know, at least for me, I'll just talk for myself, here in Northwest Indiana, I often have to remind myself to include them in my understanding of racial justice or oppression, because I do still like go to those that way of binary thinking as well. Um, so I, I, hope, I hope for <laughs> the bi community that as we begin to talk more and more about what how gender is fluid, how sexuality is fluid, 
uh, that maybe that will get easier, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) People like their categories and they like to keep them neat and tidy. (laughs) I think about, I saw a TikTok the other day and it was like, I don't know, it was the sort of like interesting take on like how people view bisexuality. It was like, if you're a woman who identifies as bisexual, some people just see you as like straight looking for attention. And if you're yes. gay and you're bisexual, you're, you know, just gay and you're not actually bisexual. And so, you're not willing to come out. Like, yeah. There's some lack of courage in you. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this like underlying assumption that like, hey, I guess in both scenarios, you can only be attracted to men and not women. But like, there's just, yeah, there's just that sentiment that's kind of brewing and yeah, I think what what's hard for me is like what uh, that I can understand the struggle is that I think so many I mean, I don't know, but a lot of people that I've talked to that have come out as either like gay or lesbian have like used bisexuality as like a stepping stone. Yeah. And I think that's where we get really caught up because yeah. it's like if you are it's like okay, yeah, like I experience this sort of liminal space of bisexuality and then you're like trying to attribute that to somebody I think that's where we, like, when she calls out, like, if you're not feeling it, it's going to be hard for you to empathize because it's, like, I think, like, some people see it as, like, okay, well, you're just in that stage right now. You know, you haven't, like, graduated to your full, like, lesbian (laughs) potential or something. But it's just, yeah, but it's, like, so it's, it's hard to, like, sort of, like, decipher those, that variety of experience of bisexuality, which is, yeah, I think where we get into, into trouble there. Yeah, which does make me wonder, like, how this is harder because we're in a society where um, like a question of justice is operating, right? Like if if we didn't have a, a problem in our society with LGBTQ folk and sexuality generally, <laughs> which is sort of hard to imagine not having <laughs> struggles around sexuality, um, like, I wonder if it would be different, you know, like, if it would be easier to live in um, in spaces that are less defined by opposites. Um, but because it's such an effort, or and, and historically it has been not only an effort, but often dangerous for queer folk to come out, it makes this category of bisexuality seem like this gray zone Mm -hmm. as opposed to its own identity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah this is not the same but it makes me think of um like you know if this you know if sexuality were removed as a sort of like polarizing topic you know it's like I think about veganism and how like Mm. like some people it's like if you're if you're doing it you got to do it a hundred percent and so then you are vegan, and then if you're not doing it, you have to, you're not doing it 100%, or you're again, you know, it's just like pull, and yeah. then so if you find yourself somewhere in the space where it's like, for the most time, I'm going to try to do that, but then it's like, I'm not going to like totally hold myself to like being vegan or not being vegan, and then I feel like you get kind of like flack for like yeah. not being either, or it's like not okay to be in these sort of like middle spaces, yeah. so I, I don't know, I feel like it is back to that idea of like categories, it's just like wanting to pin someone down in a very specific spot it makes it easier to understand yeah yeah what do you um make of her phrase moral barrier 
like when she gets down to the end of her story and is talking about um, the fact that there were people, her more conservative friends, that she wouldn't have, did not come out to. And then she says, probably now I wouldn't be so uncomfortable. But if I did, there would always be this moral barrier between us. Like, how are you understanding or put, how would you put that in your own words, what that barrier is? Like, I'm trying to, like, for myself, I think it's, like, this polarizing topic. So, I mean, it's easier to be hospitable, get to know people, be in community with other people when those, I don't know, maybe when sexuality or, opi- like, political opinions aren't, like, so structurally defined so if there's that gray zone where it's like I don't know it's easier to like reach out and be more empathetic but if you come I mean it's like for me personally it's like if you come up to me wearing a red MAGA hat it's just like boom you are a certain type of person in my mind Mm. and I see you as a certain type of person and I'm not going to be as friendly or I'm you know something like that but it's like if you don't come up to me with that hat on I don't necessarily know so we're kind of operating in this sort of gray zone but we're kind of like feeling each other out so I think it like the moral barrier she's talking about it's like it it removes that sort of tension of someone's like gut reaction of how they would react to you as like you know like i guess from the religious perspective like as a homosexual sinner you know it it removes that sort of layer and allows them to get closer as individuals and maybe see each other more complexly yeah but um but so when she says she would later on feel more comfortable coming out to them. I think it's because they've sort of established this like understanding of each other as individuals that it, it can allow space for, you know, disagreement that I don't think otherwise would be like the relationship wouldn't be allowed to flourish in the same way. If that disagreement were like right at the onset, like, hi, I'm gay. I don't like gay people. Boom. There's not really a relationship <laughs> there anymore. That's interesting. Cause I heard it as, um, I think you're right that she's considering I could come out to them now because I have a relationship with them. She also mentions that she has other friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if something goes south, she's not like isolating herself. Um, but that even if she continued a relationship with them, that the bear, I, I hear barrier as like something coming down between them. Mm. So it kind of goes backwards in a sense to, well, now I make you a certain kind of person because you just said you're gay. Mm-hmm. That would be the person who holds the religious belief. Like they would no longer see the storyteller as a full individual because they've identified her as a member of a group and they have specific ideas about that group. Mm-hmm. And then from her point of view, she now knows this person really does hold the religious conservative belief that will limit their view of her. And so that puts them into a category that then there's like areas now where we can't go. And so it seems like the barrier means there will be certain kinds of experiences we can't have together, certain conversations we can't have together um or just even like we won't be as open with each other as we might otherwise be mm-hmm. you're listening to listen up welcome project radio wvlp 103.1 fm 
our community radio station. We also stream online. And I'm Allison Schutte with Willow Walsh. As always, we are playing stories from the Welcome Project archive and then asking each other questions about what do we think this person means and how do we feel about it? <laughs> so today, as part of Pride Month, we've been playing stories that relate to uh, being a member of the LGBTQ plus community or an ally to the community. And this current story we're talking about is someone who identifies as bisexual and is talking about the ways in which she's been judged for that. What else do we want to know about this story? I'm wondering, like, there's this one small line where she says, I support them in their beliefs. And we, you kind of mentioned that a little bit in the, something you said in the first half hour made me remember that line. And I wonder, what do you think about that? Like, what does it mean? A, does she actually <laughs> support them in their beliefs? Because the belief here is that it's not okay to be queer. Um, and if, if she, like, what, what kind of support is it just a generic, like, okay, it's a belief out there, and so I have to acknowledge that? Or is it more like, oh, I want to make sure that you have what you need to go on believing that, which is what I typically think support means. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Okay, so my thought here is, like, I mean, I feel like I've said something similar, and I don't know, for me, when I say it, it's usually more in, like, a general thing. It's like, I let you do your thing. I don't come in your house and tell you yada yada. Um, so I don't know. For me, it's more just like letting it be okay on both sides. Maybe it goes back to that like idea of like unsolicited statements yeah, from yeah, strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, it's just like the, you know, homosexuality as like a sin is more of like, I don't know, like maybe the norm or the status quo or like especially in like a conservative Lutheran institution and city. So I don't know, when I think about support, it's so interesting to turn that idea on its head and be like, how can I support you and your beliefs of like, you know, you're struggling with this sort of like binary of like homosexuality is a sin, but I still want to be a good Christian and then I also want to be your friend. And I guess I, I would sort of abandon that sort of support <laughs> in my mind because it's like you already have everybody uh, else on your side. Yeah. I don't even think about that. You know, it's like I need the support here, but... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, she doesn't go into detail about right. what that support would look like. But I think it's more just like, maybe maybe it is just that. It's the assumed support. It's the assumed status quo that it's like religious ideology is already on your side. You know, it's like, I'm already up against that. Nobody is like, hey, you weirdo Christian, that's a sin. You know, it's just like, you're not getting that same sort of like attacks or something like that. So maybe it's just like, just understand where I'm at. And maybe you could reach out to me a little bit more. But I don't know. It's interesting to think about what it would be flip, flipped over like yeah. that. I think you're right, though, that it might be more passive for the storyteller, too, because she does go on to say that's what they believe in. So I just don't didn't want to create tension. And that last part makes me think mm. that what she does to support them in their beliefs is restrain from coming out to them. And that's interesting, because usually I think of a decision not to come out as something that protects mm -hmm. the person, the LGBTQIA plus person. But, and, and that's probably true in this case as well. 
But it is like, there's also this sense in which it's a protection for the other person, the conservative religious person in this case. And it's the only way that she's going to have to support them in their belief, which is also something she can't understand because she has no access to because she wasn't raised religious. Um, so it is pretty passive in that sense, but it's it's also interesting to think of as like, hmm, very small act of generosity, but still an act of generosity. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put the moral barrier between us yet. So I'm just going to actually like keep something from you in order to like see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like the high road. I think like, I can't imagine being so nice and protective of other people. Around me. Like I'm trying to put myself in this mindset of like, well, I don't know if they'd be okay with it and be like, that's, I'd be like, that's their problem. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not hanging out with you. Okay. So you have never had like a person that you were already in relationship with that was more concerned, like you've never had that kind of where you were already caring about somebody and then either coming out to them or maybe something else was going to create. Okay, well, I feel a little called out right now because I actually <laughs> do feel that way. But it's like, it's it's like, it's it's unwarranted because I know they would be super supportive of me. But yeah, but it's like, I mean, typically the people who I know would be against it, I just, yeah, I've like kind of just cut them out. Mm. That's kind of where my partner and I differ a lot. Mm. She's like, oh, my family is still great. And I'm like, I'm, no offense, I'm not talking to your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... <sighs> I, I guess if there's like the, I, I mean, it depends on the sort of like support system. Like, it, it, are you getting something out of that relationship with them that offers more support and like, I don't know, just more for you than this idea of like, you know, being fully yourself in front of them and losing them as a support system? Like, what's more important in that situation? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. For me, it's always like visibility is is key, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's hard for me. To, it's hard for me to get behind this one. Like it's yeah. like I, I, it's I can't quite grapple with it. Yeah. And I I wonder too if it's how much uh, like as an individual I inv- identify with that part of my identity. Um, so you and I have talked not on the radio necessarily, but like when I was in my twenties. Like I was really identified with myself as a woman and like that was my radical feminist stage and it was very oppositional in its thinking. Um, and it is not that I am not a feminist now, although I would say I'm not oppositional in my thinking anymore, but I would always, I would claim feminism, but I don't necessarily sit, I don't know how to, I don't know the language around this. I don't necessarily sit in that, in my gender. Um, like it's a part of me, but it's not at the forefront. Mm. And um, I think the more forefront some part of our identity is, then it becomes really difficult to continue to relate to people who are going to push back on that part of the identity. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm thinking is not necessarily about sexuality, but about politics and how some relationships have become so strained because um, 
one person is, I mean, we could probably just back it up to like, you don't even have to be on the extremes. Like one person's Democrat, the other person's Republican. Um, and those, those identities, if they're central to you, are so opposed right now and taught that like that could keep you from being able to relate to that person now. And I remember hearing a story on NPR about um, like family members who are now believing in cons- conspiracy theories. And so um, like for the person being interviewed who was the family member who's not believing the conspiracy theory, it's like, how am I supposed to connect? And the advice that was given by the guest you know, it's like you have to actually go back to rem- remembering and reminding them of of something you do connect on. Like, so you go back to memories of like, this was a family. So, you know, like, remember when we used to do this growing up? Remember when we used to do this growing up? And you stay in this conversational zone of like when we were connected by other parts of ourselves <laughs> so that the identity that's so contentious is not in the forefront and then the the guest was saying that over time that could mean a restoration like of relationship Uh, you know no guarantees because that political difference could still remain remain for the person in the believing the conspiracy that could remain their core essential identity at the moment and if that stays that way then yeah, there's no new memories. There's no, yeah, yeah. Like there's just no sense. There's no way to connect um, mm-hmm. at that point. So I, I do think it's, you know, we've talked a couple of times today about like context matters and like the community you're in matters and like what community you're coming out of matters. And here we're also thinking about like which part of your identity is front and center to you, and that doesn't always stay the same. Um, and that matters, at least for like these kinds of connections that we're talking about, which for me with the Welcome Project is the kind of connections I'm interested in seeing supported. And it's not easy. <laughs> I also think about it like in this idea of like, like forefront of your mind and like background of your mind, like how like when you're seeing things like I don't know, I guess visibility-wise, like, I always think about, like, when I'm in Target and I see, like, a bunch of, like, Pride merchandise and I, like, roll my eyes and I'm like, ugh, the corporate cash grab for (laughs) Pride materials. I'm like, how gross. And then, you know, it's like this week I had to remind myself, it's like, Willow, that is a privilege to feel that way Uh, about this Pride material. uh, And I'm like, maybe, you know, the kid out in Oklahoma whose family doesn't feel that way and they walk into Walmart and see a Pride t-shirt, that really matters. Yeah. And so, I don't know, so I'm just, again, reminded of this sort of, like, different spaces that we can occupy in terms of our relationships, how, how far up that is in our identity, and, like, yeah. how we're connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, that's it for today. You've spent another hour with us, and we really appreciate you listening. Um, Thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Center, uh, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And-
And if you enjoyed the stories you heard today, you can find more stories like this one on our website at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to start a conversation with us or ask any questions, you can email us at welcomeprojectradio at gmail.com.